Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What a Sunday, what a game, what a night from the Gulf Coast in Tampa Bay. Welcome into another post-game edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Andrew Gillis, Mike Nizek with you at Raymond James Stadium, where the Bengals have their biggest comeback win of the season. They score 27 unanswered as they defeat the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers 34-23, a game where the Bengals trailed by 17 right before halftime, before they scored those 27 unanswered points we mentioned. The first half, really nothing to take away from that other than that McPherson field goal that kick-started the momentum. But Joe Burrow came out firing, throwing faster, throwing better. Receivers got open. But we cannot overlook the defense. They open up the first, uh, second half rather with a turnover on downs on the Bucks, and then four straight takeaways, two interceptions, two fumble recoveries, one of them being on the man himself, Tom Brady. I gotta ask you guys, you've seen a lot of football, I've seen a lot of football. Was that one of the craziest second half comebacks you've seen on either side of the ball? You know, I mean, anytime a team, by the way, it was 34, not 27 unanswered points. Uh, the Bengals trailed 17 to nothing, and then that game got to 34 to 17 with, uh, with 220 left to play. You know, it was You're funny. Right. In, in the beginning of the game, you know, we were in probably middle of the second quarter, and, you know, I was talking to a media member next to me, and we were saying, does this feel like Cleveland or does this feel like Dallas? We were kind of. It just felt like nothing was like could go right for the Bengals today, and then the second half starts, and you get five straight turnovers on five straight Tampa Bay possessions. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like it's and it wasn't like the you know the Tampa Bay was driving the field and they would turn it over at Cincinnati's twenty. Like the Bengals got really good field position, and they capitalized on it. Like Tyler Boyd kind of joked after the game where he's like, it felt like every few minutes. I'm looking up at the clock, and we're going back out on the field. And then by the fourth quarter, we thought the game should have been over just by how many like times we had had possessions in that game. So, you know, to me, that it was just – it was such a weird game. I don't think it was necessarily a good football game, but it was a weird football game to watch because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely dominated Cincinnati in the first half. Absolutely. And then in the second half, it was the other way around. And it was, uh, it, it was just a weird game to watch. And, I mean – Credit to the Bengals for those turnovers because, I mean, that was one of the things that their defense hasn't really done this year. And, um, you know, they, they got the turnovers that they needed, and, and obviously you see the results. Well, something could be said for – I mean, we weren't in on the uh, uh, Buccaneers press conference, but what really kicked it off was that terrible fake punt um, that the uh, Buccaneers did at the start of the mm-hmm. second half. Um, I'm curious as to what uh, uh, Bulls says about that because – 
And really, if you don't have that, the, the things don't kind of start spiraling out of control right. for them. Oh, yeah. They could have kept the offense on the field and just tried to go for it. Uh, they snapped it to the gunner. And the gunner, I don't I don't know if he knew the, didn't yeah, even know the call. Yeah, it was Gio Bernard, too. Yeah, Former didn't, Bengal. Didn't even look like he knew the call. Um, and then things kind of go haywire from there. Obviously, the Bengals sort of um, ratcheted up. Um, they said it wasn't the, – talked a lot of the defensive uh, – players after the game and they said it wasn't necessarily a scheme change but they just sort of put it on themselves to be more aggressive um you know and and what how eli apple described it was get the old man's feet moving <laughs> i was there um, when he said that that's funny so um you know uh, this was in the locker room uh, he was talking about it and so um you know uh, they, they did that we did it without sam hubbard who got injured in the first half right. did it without trey hendrickson who didn't play the game um and so this was you know really uh you know, Tampa Bay had made as many mistakes as, as the Bengals made plays. Um, obviously, I think, a, a, you know, just a crazy collapse for them um, and some head-scratching decisions from them down the stretch, but the Bengals took advantage. This was a win I think the Bengals needed, too, because when you look at the score, you know, okay, the Bengals hung 34. You know, they, they've obviously put up some points this season. That's just a, like, if you kind of just judge it right off of that, you can, you can kind of take maybe more or the wrong things away from it. I mean, they didn't really run the ball too well today. Samaj P. Ryan was their most efficient runner. He had 3.4 yards of carry on seven attempts. Joe Mixon, not much better. 11 carries, 21 yards. They, they didn't run the ball well. Joe Burrow was 27-39, to 39, and he only threw for 200 yards. He did throw for four touchdowns. So, it really, I mean, it was just the short fields that they had. I don't necessarily think that they were, you know, oodles better than Tampa Bay today. You know, I know they scored 34 unanswered, and it sounds crazy. It's just the Buccaneers couldn't get out of their own way. And um, you know you need a team that can you need a team that can capitalize on those turnovers. And I mean, we've seen it before with this team, like dating back to last season. If you give them a crack, like if you leave the door open a little bit, they're gonna bust the thing open. So um, it, I mean, it's just one of those it's one of those things where it kind of looks at you know maybe you can take more from a macro level than a micro level with this game and just say okay you know the the Bengals can win a couple of different ways and i mean obviously when you have the turnover differential that they do it's pretty easy to win you know obviously uh you know mike mentioned what eli apple said which like i said i was there and um it was hilarious because you know eli apple no shortage of colorful comments from a guy like him but right after he walked off and i don't know if you guys were there but B.J. Hill said to the people who had cameras and their phones, like me, for example, just so you guys know, we're a pretty good defense. And he was sort of humming at what Tom Brady said on his Sirius XM show earlier this week, you know, when he was asked, hey, what do you think of the Bengals? What do you think of Cincinnati? He goes, fairly good defense. It was something along those words, but I don't think he was actually digging at the Bengals. Like, I don't think he meant any disrespect, but obviously when you are the Bengals and you have performances against Mahomes, uh, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, you know, and you're so confident like B.J. Hill and everyone else is, you're going to be a little bit taken aback by that. So I'm sure that was a little bit of fuel that was, you know, kind of added to that fire that they just put all over the Buccaneers off in the second half. I mean, Mike, you talked to B.J. Hill, right? Did he kind of kind of give his thoughts on, you know, what, what he meant when he said that walking off the field? Well, I mean, he didn't, didn't need to. I mean, he just kept referring to them as a fairly tough defense, um, you know, six or seven times. I didn't get to count it. Uh, I haven't gone back and transcribed, but it was uh, – on the, on the mind of all of them, uh, you know, Jermaine Pratt also referenced that, said, you know, we're not fairly tough, we're tough as nails, and that was kind of their mantra uh, this week. So uh, they knew exactly what he said. They knew they, they didn't take it uh, well, and they used it as motivation, certainly. Um, I think, you know, all the guys spoke to that. Um, I think they were just frustrated at the slight and then fr also frustrated because in the first half, 
um, you know, when they went down, the, the Tampa Bay was uh, talking uh, a lot of trash on the field, and they were they took um, took issue with that. And obviously, um, the second half, um, you know, they said they didn't. It wasn't big adjustments. It was just um, playing better, settling down. And, and Zach said that at the podium. But the defensive players uh, backed that up. They just said, you know, it was, it was kind of simple. We just need to settle down and, and get focused, and um, they did. Before I get to, you know, what worked with the Bengals capitalizing on those turnovers, just kind of touching on this defense and the way it played. And I want you guys' take on this. I mean, they've played really good the last four games. Most of the season, but specifically the last four games, which have been tough wins. But out of those, you know, if you want to look at the sample size of the last four games, was this the best game the Bengals have played defensively? Even though you left a lot on the table in the first half, just the way they responded, the way they had so many consecutive turnovers, the way Jermaine Pratt is literally falling down on his back and the ball just says hello and he says welcome aboard. I mean, I think that was the best performance they put together in the second half, not just all year, but in those four games. What do you guys make of that? Uh, no, I disagree. Um, I think it's easy to say that because of the turnovers. Um, but you and, said and that's something they haven't done, though. Up yeah, until it's, today. it's not something they haven't done. Um, but turnovers, by and large, if you look at you know kind of the course of the league, year to year, turnovers are pretty random. I mean, you have teams that are good defensively historically; they produce more turnovers. That's not a surprise. But for the majority of the league, turnovers kind of fluctuate up and down. Like the Tom Brady, uh, the throw that he made that got picked off by Trey Flowers, that was a that was a terrible throw. That was a bad throw. And, and Trey Flowers was just right there to get the ball. Um, I mean, you got to give him credit for like the sack fumble. You've got to give him credit for um, uh, for just for putting themselves in those positions. But like on the one handoff, like Tom Brady never got it to Leonard Fournette. Like that that's not something where you can look at the Bengals and be like, what a great job. So you know, I still think got on the last right, but the la- I mean, the last five games, including. Um, uh, including today, yeah. I mean that includes the win over Pittsburgh, where they obviously didn't play that well defensively. Sure, but then you allow 16 points to Derrick Henry or a Derrick Henry-led offense. Then you allow 24 to Kansas City, and the defense. I mean, I thought they really played well that game. So uh, 10 last week to Cleveland. You know, to me, this this wasn't one of their better performances. But you need to force turnovers because, like, like I just said, you can. You don't have to play that well if you get five turnovers in one half. You don't have to play that well, and you're going to win the game. Um, especially where they got him. So, I mean, the defense is playing better. The injuries are a concern. Um, Mike brought up Hubbard and Hendrickson. Um, and Cam Taylor Britt. There's Cam Taylor Britt now, too. So, if Cam Taylor Britt is is any kind of uh, length, if his injury is kind of any kind of long-term thing, even a week, you lose Chidobi Awuzie a few weeks ago. Now you lose Cam Taylor Britt. You're talking Eli Apple. Uh, you don't have Mike Hilton. He was out today. Uh, you don't have Jalen Davis. He was out today. You had to call up Alan George from the practice squad. Oh yeah, you, you're just, you're down guys in the secondary. So they're playing well. Um, and whenever things like this happen, you need turnovers. So I mean, credit to them. But no, I don't think that's a very long way of saying it. But no, I don't think today was the one of their better defensive performances. Well, yeah, I mean that first half, you go down seventeen right. to nothing. Um, Tom Brady's numbers, you know, 30 to 44, 312 yards. Much of that comes in the, the, the first half. So, I mean, you can't just wipe away a half like that. You know, you can't say, well, except for, you know, I guess half of football, it yeah. was their best game of the season. Um, you know, I think they wouldn't want to ever do that. You know, you don't never want to spot a team 17 points. Sure. Um, their yeah. secondary didn't play very well in that first half. Um, the second half, obviously, things are better. Um, and, you know, they, they played well, but they've been a second half team all season. Exactly. And they're still allowed over 20 points to a team that's only scored. More than 20 points, I think, twice this season. I can't remember. Uh, but I think uh, this was their first time in, like, six games they've done it. Their only second time in seven games they've done it. So, um, you know, some 
you know, but you're down a lot of starters too. So I mean, they played as well as they needed to play, and you get the win. I don't, you know, it wasn't pretty. Um, I think they're happy with all the turnovers, and that kind of got the momentum on the side and, and excitement on the sideline. Um, but when they look at this game, I don't think it'll be one where they said that sort of stands out as like we, you know, lock this team down. I think you know. Um, things started going their way, and they, they, they took advantage. Um, but you definitely don't, you know, this is a, another game where you look back and, you know, getting down big in the, that first half, you know, you're not, in the playoffs, you're not going to be able to always just pull the rabbit out of your hat. You know, Zach said this is a good proof of concept game exactly. to show that they can come back, but uh, you can't be doing that to, especially to good teams. This is a bad football team, and you saw why in that second half. And you saw why, like we talked about, I talked with both of you guys individually in the podcast. This is why they, the Buccaneers, are the most inconsistent team in football. I mean, you want to talk about a tale of two halves in that respect? A great first half, a second half that might have been one of the worst, if not the worst, in Todd Brady's career. I mean, for him, that says a lot. And I understand he's not playing his best football. He's way out of his prime. But he's still TB12. He's still Tom Brady. And I didn't see his press conference either. I want to go back and see it because I'd imagine he definitely was not happy with himself and his team. But you're right. It wasn't the best overall performance. But if you're looking at second-half defenses, if you want to even go back to, say, the Saints game or you want to go back somewhere in between that and, like, this performance, it definitely was one of the better ones. And there is some truth to be said uh, about what you guys said. I don't know if it was more so that the Bengals were just rah, 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 punch, punch, punch on defense. There was just a lot of shooting themselves in the foot from the Buccaneers' perspective. Like, that was a horrible throw from Brady. That was a horrible handoff from, four, you know, to Fournette, rather. Um, and then just, I really, you're right, I want to know what happened on that botched, fake punt from the former Bengal Gio Bernard, which, God, if you had another ironic twist on a day like this. I mean, they definitely did not execute well. Like, that was poorly timed and poorly poorly done. But flipping that to the Bengals' offense, I mean, I want to ask you guys this. Like, that first half that you saw today, how much of that first half against Cleveland on Halloween was playing in your all's heads? Because I was thinking so much about that game. The way that started back on October 31st, and the way this started, I said, are they going to respond the way they did in the second half against Cleveland? Lethargic, out of touch, and yes, there was no Jamar Chase, I understand that, but are they going to respond like that, or are they going to show, hey, we're a team that's won five straight games. We're an offense that deserves the respect that we're getting from a lot of people. How much did that kind of play to your all's head, and how do you compare and contrast that? Well, I mean, I was curious, like I said at the top, I was curious if this game kind of felt more like Dallas or Cleveland. Uh, you know, like you said, the Cleveland game, you, you don't have Jamar, but you come out and you get shut out in a half. You don't play well really the entire game. And I was kind of, I was just kind of sitting there like, okay, they're going to get it together. But you're thinking like, okay, Tampa Bay has played really well. They missed a field goal in the first half. So like that lead very well could have been 20 to three. And then yeah. you kind of go back to some of the decisions that they made. They kick a field goal close. Uh, they had a play it was like third and two at the goal line, and Brady scrambled and he fell down as soon as he saw a guy coming after him. Yeah. And they kicked a field goal from there. Like y- you kind of sat there and thought, like this game could be a lot worse than it is right now. And I, I don't know if if the Bengals kind of have the. I-, I just don't know if they have the time to come back. But you you can get the time when you <laughs> get the ball five times on um on uh, your offensive side of the field. So I don't know. Um, you know, I think like I said, it goes to show when you have. Uh, turnovers that can happen, they can swing a game for anybody because, like, Jamar Chase had 60 yards. Tyler Boyd had 35. T. Higgins had 33. Yeah, but the argument is cute because of the game. Well, they that's not, yeah. They didn't, play a game, they didn't play it down on the Bucks side of the field 
uh, in the third quarter. I mean, they had short fields. Then three times they got the ball within the 35-yard line. Right. So, I mean, how many yards can you even get at that point? Um, and I think they had two more other possessions that were started inside the 50s. So, I think the yardage is overrated. I mean, it just makes for a weird stat sheet when you see it um, and, and the way it unfolded. I just thought they started slow like they did last week. And, um, you know, the tip pass, um, you know, interception contributed to that. But, um you know, with Boyd playing and Higgins playing, you just kind of felt that it wasn't going to be as much of an issue where they had to game plan things. I mean, they just had to stick to it, and, and that's what Zach said they did. They just essentially yeah. settled down um, and played better football in the second half. So I you know, really feel like that because, I mean, you didn't ha- you, you had Jamar Chase in this game. You know, Boyd was getting mixed in, maybe not playing as many snaps as he normally does, uh, but I think he played more in the second half. And, and T. Higgins looked fine. He caught the two first two passes of the game. So did. uh, I didn't really feel like this, you know, this – just a slow start, uh, and that can happen. I mean, you're not going to score every time you get the ball. Um, so, you know, just, just didn't play well in the first half, and they turned the page. You know, and I think, obviously, all that's true. I noticed, though, if there's any difference that stood out to me, and I'd have to go back and watch the tape like they're going to do, but, you know, Tampa played a lot of that cloud coverage. Like, you know, after that first drive, they clouded Higgins. Um, they played really good man-to-man on Jamar. And I think the frustrating thing when Burrow was throwing the ball the few times he did when he wasn't getting sacked or just hobbled by Tampa's defenses, you know, they were clouding Higgins on the sideline. They even clouded Jamar a little bit. And obviously that was a lot of what we've been seeing this year is the two high safeties and that zone coverage. I think they really executed it well because, you know, they had Murphy bunting uh, and Antoine Winfield, Sean Murphy bunting and Antoine Winfield coming into the game questionable. They play, they play well to start. And like you said, they didn't do all that bad in the second half other than giving up those touchdowns with the short field position that Tampa Bay's defense was working with. I mean, Still did pretty fine, and those are some of the best, you know, DBs for their experience. Of course, it's different when you don't have Jamel Dean. Uh, I think that actually did give Jamar Chase a lot of the room. Uh, and T. Higgins, a lot of the room that they had in the second half that could have played into it because I think he's an underrated corner for Tampa's defense too. But, you know, they were able to just take advantage of that with the the slow, uh, <laughs> the small starts. It's been a long night. Uh, small field starts. And then on top of that, I just think, it was a slightly faster tempo. Burrow got the ball off faster. Uh, I think he just was a little bit more comfortable in the pocket, whereas obviously he gets sacked twice, nearly fumbled like Brady did in the first half. But yeah, I mean, you know, you said it, Andrew, this is a win they need. And, you know, to your point, Mike, you don't want to keep coming back like this, you know, either for the next three games when you have New England, Buffalo, and Baltimore as you kind of look ahead, and whoever they face in the postseason, which is almost guaranteed at this point uh, for Cincinnati. Because it's worth mentioning, they are first place in the AFC North after the Brownies handed the Bengals uh, a Ravens loss on Saturday night. I think that's the one time, you know, Bengals fans and Browns fans will have some love for each other. I guess the Bengals fans will have love for Browns fans. But, yeah, I guess really just to kind of look ahead, I mean, a lot needs to be fixed. A lot needs to clean as far as those starts you mentioned but you know how do you see the Bengals kind of adjusting with a short week as they face New England on Saturday well I mean if you saw the end of that New England game which <laughs> I did and lost it down in the man uh, down in the field level like that's a tough week to to rebound from um but I, I mean like you said like now you are in the driver's seat you got a Ravens team that while they're pretty much virtually guaranteed to make the playoffs too you got a Ravens team that looks terrible right now. Very. Uh, their offense is horrible. They're they're down Lamar Jackson. Um, you know their number one receiver is Demarcus Robinson, I guess. Like you're talking about a team that is kind of on the ropes. And if the Bengals like the Bengals currently do not they they, they currently control their own destiny. 
But there's two games left before that Week 18 finale. And with today, or with these weekend's results, you can actually lock that up going into before you go into Week 18. Um, now, the Ravens, they do play the Falcons, and they play the Steelers. So those are not necessarily tough matchups. But for a team that hasn't played well in these last, you know, last month or two, that's not a gimme. So if the Bengals can keep winning, that's got to be at the top of your mind because, it, like, you, you look at the standings right now, and obviously you want to get the one seed, but you're still a game behind Buffalo. You're still a game behind Kansas City. At this point, you want to lock up stuff as quick as you can because then that allows you that opportunity to where, okay, if we got to sit a guy for a week, we can do that. You know, like, maybe if, if this game didn't mean anything, pretend this was the last game of the year, maybe you can sit Tyler Boyd because you can afford that. You can afford things like that the sooner you lock it up. So I think that that has really got to be on top of mind because, again, New England and Buffalo are not pushovers. No. And, and you know, you got two matchups. One of them's on the road on a short week, and then you got the Bills. So if they can, like you said, they're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot, but you've got to rush to the finish because if you can, if you can lock this up now, you can lock this up quickly, you're going to be feeling really, really good about yourself here in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, you want to keep the momentum going. Right. One yeah. So it's this winning streak, and I think it matters to the players. I don't think they're thinking playoffs. I think they're just keep keeping one game, you know, ahead of them, and they see that, and they want to keep building on that, and and then the rest will come with that. Um, you know, in terms of resting guys and things like that, we'll kind of see based on the, the other results as these weeks go forward. But I mean, they got a really good chance. I mean, they're playing a New England team that's, like you said, going to be uh, pretty down, and and and, and you know. Ready a, lot to fight of, back. A, lot of, a lot of controversy over there in terms of you know what what's going on just with the offensive side of the ball. So you know we'll kind of see. I mean I think they, the Bengals have everything in front of them, like you said. The destiny is all in their control. Like this, this really isn't their destiny. As long as they win out, and of course they need to get some help from, you know if the, you know the Ravens play the way they're playing, that definitely helps to kind of pad that that comfort of taking the lead in the AFC North, which they've. This is the first time they've led in the division, I think, for virtually all year. So it is the yeah. It is yeah, the, you want to you know obviously it helps if the Ravens play the way they've been playing until Lamar comes back. If he makes it back for that regular season finale, which boy that game with the Ravens and the game before that, like that Monday night game with the Bills. I know we don't want to look too far ahead. That's gonna be a banger with the way the Bills played against uh, Miami on Saturday, and then just with the way the Bengals are playing, absolute banger might be the game of the year up to that point, or really all year, but. Uh, just kind of wrap it up, guys. Uh, game balls. Who are you tossing your pigskin game balls to? Hmm. I should have been thinking about that throughout. Mike, do you have one off the top of your head? I mean, I think the only one would be Lou uh, Anarumo, the defensive coordinator. Right, I mean, in one. terms of stats, there really wasn't anybody that uh, – Logan Wilson had a nice game, but, you know, tackles is not a stat that you sort of uh, – just uh, kind of how things unfold and things come your way. But um, to get this group settled and to kind of keep – uh, pushing the right levers at halftime, whatever, however big or small they are, you know, they, I don't think we'll ever get a few, you know, real true sense of it. You know, they like to keep a lot of that stuff in house, but uh, the way the defense played, obviously, he's uh, uh, the architect, and um, just with the injuries they've had, and, and you know, hitting the right, you know, everybody's been ready, and, and that, that has to go up to him, and, and you know, be part of, you know, how he helps this group get ready. And so, I mean, I, I think that he's certainly deserving of a mention. So, hear me out on this. You guys are gonna laugh. My game ball goes to the plane that flew from Cincinnati to Tampa last night, Frontier Airlines. Uh, I was on that plane, and the reason why I'm saying that is because, I'm not kidding, guys. I know you were on different flights on the way here. The line to go through TSA security was the longest I'd ever seen. And I've been in that airport almost my entire life, flying on airplanes. Like, that was the longest line I've ever seen. 
And I'm not kidding when I say 80% of that fan, 80% of that plane was Bengals fans. There was like people saying, who day, who day, back and forth on the plane. And I guarantee you, we heard those chants on the field today. Because I don't know, guys, when the Bengals made plays, I couldn't tell if we were in Cincinnati or Tampa. There were a lot of Bengals fans here. And with how far south we are from Cincinnati and the tri-state area, I was amazed. So... I would say, to be more specific, it would, I give it to my flight because that whole plane was full of Bengals fans who I knew were at this game today. Shout out to showing up for that. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. That's loyal. Well, I mean, it's not hard to convince people to leave Ohio in December, uh, especially <laughs> sure. for Florida. Um, sure. My game ball is a little bit sentimental. It goes to Mitchell Wilcox. Um, that's a good you're, one. You're talking about a guy, he's from Tarpon Springs, which is right across the bay here, uh, just north of Clearwater. He played college football at USF, so he played his college games here. He catches a touchdown. He was a, a, a coin toss captain today. Um, obviously, that was by design. He said he had like 60 or 70 people that were from his group kind of in, in the crowd today, kind of scattered throughout. Um, so it's cool. It's cool whenever that happens to a guy. Um, he's, ha- he's had to step up into a number one tight end role without Hayden Hurst. Um, you know, I asked him after the game, and he was like, this sounds kind of weird, but, like, I recognized the grass and the way it was cut and the way it looked. It just looked familiar. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy who obviously knows what he's doing here, and um, it's cool whenever that happens. So, that was congratulations cool. to Mitchell Wilcox. He gets a game ball. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, when Jamar scored that touchdown at the end against uh, the Saints. And, obviously, that was way different because, you know, that was a go-ahead touchdown in a game where the Bengals came back. But kind of reminds me of that. That was a good one, Andrew. I almost didn't think about that. I probably would have done that one if I didn't do the Frontier Airlines ball. But, man, what a game. What a night. The Bengals 10-4, and six-game win streak. A short week coming up, which will break down if you stay along with us during the week. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nisek from sunny and beautiful Tampa Bay, I'm Muhammad Amal. See you later this week.